Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, producer extraordinaire, and just flexing with the amaz- the, his amazing man cave basement that he's working <laughs> on back there. Um, I see, like, is that a new amp next to that guitar, Cameron? It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. You actually might know about that before my wife does actually because i literally just got it today (laughs) real nice real nice uh so i you could make up things here and i would have no idea but what kind of amp is it cameron uh it is called a vox um it's just super clean um the beatles I don't know if you've ever heard of this band. Mm, uh, they maybe. famously used Voxes um, in the early 60s and whatnot. So wanted to get that Beatles chime. Are you playing <laughs> Beatles songs? Are you learning to play Beatles songs right now? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I have a couple in store that I will always be able to to pull out if I need to. Okay, what is your favorite Beatles yeah. song? Have we had this talk? Uh, oh, man. Oh, oh. Um, tough. I would say Let It Be. Uh, and then tomorrow never knows. Oh, I nice. really, really like that song. Yeah, something is by far and away my favorite Beatles song. Okay, yeah. And I don't know if it's just because <laughs> I uh, grew up watching Rain Man too much, you know. But isn't that the song <laughs> they sing in Rain Man? I, oh, it's been way too long since I've seen Rain Man. I could not tell you. Well, you know, you can tell um, me it's I am the Walrus for all I. I, mean, I don't know I, if it ages. <laughs> Super well. Rayman's a great movie, you know, but I don't know if it ages yeah. super well. Uh, you know, it, it's it's no uh, it's no Top Gun, which <laughs> we which can by all the way, <laughs> Which, by the way, like um, my daughter watched Top Gun. See, this is just us off off topic. So my daughter watched Top Gun um, on like cable, uh, like or on Netflix, whatever, and she's like, "This story is absurd." And I was just kind of like trying to convey to her, like, Top Gun is almost more of a music video. <laughs> than sure. it is it, like <laughs> i mean i know the plot but the plot is super irrelevant oh, it's yeah. really not about yeah. the script it's i mean on i've i've argued before that i think it is incredibly visually impressive and visually influential um and that's kind of why you're there but it's really like i said when you think of that movie it's like a bunch of music video set pieces <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in closing there's no way that two can live up to that thank you for coming to my <laughs> ted talk <laughs> Hey, I'm still going to go to a day one, okay? (laughs) I mean, there is some weird comfort knowing that Tom Cruise is almost certainly risking his life to make these movies. (laughs) There is a weird, like, (laughs) sense of satisfaction about that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, Magic the Gathering. There is actually a ton to talk about this week. It's true. Um, You pre-released, I was not able to. Uh, First of all, can we get a lockdown pronunciation guide from Cameron what is the right way to say this set I have no idea <laughs> Capana. <laughs> I've heard it Capina and Capina both ways Pina Colada yeah <laughs> uh could be anything so what are your what's your takeaways because you played some sealed uh, yeah I played some sealed um I'm digging this uh Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, I think might rank a little bit higher for me as far as like uh, just I really liked the interactions that happened with some of those cards. Um, But this is a really strong set. In fact, I would say it's probably one of the 
Um, while it may not be for me, I think it might be the strongest set to come out over the past year. Um, just in terms of, uh, like, if, if you want mana fixing, this is the set for you. I mean, you can essentially pull off a four-color deck in Sealed, and there are people winning with four-color decks. They shouldn't be, and it really gets my craw, but they're doing it. They're making it happen. Um, because, I mean, not only are there their triumphs, which, you know, you can get at least one in your in your sealed pool. There are the dual lands. There are the kind of the fetch lands that allow you to gain a life. And, um, they come into play tapped or whatever. Come into play tapped, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things that come into play tapped. But you can, if you have like some really, really good rares and they just don't fit in the colors guess what? It doesn't matter. You can just put whatever colors you want and essentially kind of win. I did a three-color deck, which went against everything that I actually really believed in, but I had the Jun deck um, and just tons of like great like little elements within that. I mean, my mana was fixed, which was awesome. Um, there are some issues, though. Um, treasure? I don't know if I actually like it because... Even like the Jun deck, which is relying heavily on all these creatures that say, do something when you have a treasure. I didn't have any of the treasure generating things. Mm. So they're very specific. Um, and the ones that do have it um, can just abuse it, where mana is literally not an issue then. So I'm saying this is a good set, but like when I'm really being critical, I think there's some th things that are going to, I think stand out maybe to be problems two weeks from now, maybe. Um, yeah, I ended up going one, two, I dropped, um, and I had a fine time, but it wasn't like it. Yeah. Like I didn't have any, like a great deck. I don't think like, I, I just felt like what the deck was wanting me to do. I didn't actually have these key components. Like I said, the treasure generating thing in order to, to actually make this deck go. Yeah, and usually whenever there are things like that in draft, it tends to work out a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and I would say quite infamously, the cr the three-color sets tend to be better draft sets than better sealed sets because of even with, you know, fixing a plenty, it can kind of feel like a little bit of a, a, a mess. And mm -hmm. I've, I would say that was true of Alara back in the day, and they had like border post and all these other weird things to help fix your mana. Um, and they actually had uncommon like try lands, you know? Yeah. So I, I understand. And uh, by the way, pop quiz, what is the actual name of the Jund in this set? Cause you keep saying Jund and I keep messing that up. I, He's looking I, around. I, once again, it. like those, those, I, all those, I don't even know what they called. They're not tribes, but like, we're just throwing it out. Like, I mean, in fact, the store shop owner was like, okay, and here's whatever the name of this said. And he started throwing it out. He's like, whoops, I thought this was Grixis and it was actually Esper. And, you know, so <laughs> there's all sorts of confusion in a way. I wish they would have just stuck with the names of what they came up with already. <laughs> uh, well, actually, Cameron pushes up glasses. That's not the same plane. So the lore doesn't work out. Uh, right. Okay. You and I don't think of things in that context, maybe ever. Um, but like, you're right. Like I, whenever I found this out, I was like, okay, which one is Esper Obscura? Okay. That is okay, the one yeah. that I know. And the one that I will almost certainly try to work in standard. And it will almost certainly be a bad idea based upon what I'm seeing, but that's okay. <laughs> so 
Cameron, I kind of wanted to blend what I did this week with our kind of major discussion because I think they're they're very tied together. Um, I was not able to go pre-release, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but I did, I did, I did spend a lot of time with Explorer. So uh, Explorer is their new true-to-paper format. Uh, so we knew this was getting announced after their most recent economy screen uh, stream that um, we'll say was not maybe the most well-received thing in the world. And mm-hmm. the big the big headline is this. Explore is the name until it becomes Pioneer, but it will eventually become Pioneer. They have a few commitments. First of all, true to paper. So no digital-only designs, no rebalances. Cards can only be banned or not banned. End of story. Okay. No more multiple versions of cards, right? Um, uh, and basically, they're going to slowly get there over the course of a year or two, but this is their new thing. Now, you can build, and here's where it gets confusing. You can build an Explorer deck on Arena, but you cannot get into queues yet until after uh, the new set comes out. So basically, you're able to tinker with decks, but you can't just like, unless you have a buddy that you'll... You can message and pair up. I almost bothered you about this camera, but my schedule was kind of a mess, so I wasn't able to get it to work. Um, but first, let's start here, Cameron. Obviously, this is a thing that we've wanted. Is it enough for you to like go back to Arena for a little bit, or are you? Yeah. Were you well, this is the thing. Like, I uh, great. I want a digital analog to the paper thing, right? I want that. Um, and they finally did this. Um, but this should have been happening four years ago, like or three years ago when they announced Pioneer, like when they announced Pioneer is like, great. That's not that far back for arena to start putting all these cards in there. And then as soon as they started releasing whatever Pioneer sets, those were, or I'm sorry, historic sets, those were with random shrines that nobody cared about, you know, from Kamigawa. I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like it's right. And, you know, here we are. So this is great. I mean, I'm I'm going to give them a small round of applause, a pat on the back for apparently having a come to Jesus moment, workshopping this through and saying, I got it, guys. Pioneer will meet you there eventually. (laughs) I mean, it speaks volumes that I saw this and said, oh, thank goodness. And this is like pretty much the least they could have done. <laughs> I mean, but I just, this felt like, you know, my son is is six and um, he, whenever I tell him to clean his room, he'll always come back five minutes later and want to talk to me about what he wants for Christmas, how he's hungry, how he th- really <laughs> thinks we need a new dog. And I'm constantly like, no, go back to your room get it done go back to your room and then finally after multiples of these he actually gets his room clean and then i have to say thank you for cleaning your room that's what this feels like right wizards of the coast a six-year-old child (laughs) (laughs) thank you for doing the thing that we've all been asking for that you initially (laughs) promised so like on one hand you do kind of have to live in this moment of like what if we would have been pursuing this all along if the historic anthologies were just fulfilling needs 
of Pioneer. What if there was no uh, Super Street Fighter Jumpstart Horizons 2 Turbo Championship Edition <laughs> and they actually just made those Pioneer cards, right? Mm-hmm. Like on and on and on. What if, because, you know, obviously Alchemy is what, like my least favorite thing that Magic has done probably ever, um, but obviously they had to commit resources to programming those cards, to designing those yes. new cards, all that, and that could have just been Pioneer. And I'm, I'm kind of just stunned at, you know, because some of the feedback has been negative. Things People saying things like, well, this is just going to be like historic or alchemy and people are going to get tired of it because they can't rebalance the cards. To you, I say this. Non-rotating formats are supposed to kind of be stale. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't on one hand say, oh, so-and-so is a master of this deck archetype and he's been playing it for six years. And then on the other hand say, hey, this thing needs to like rotate a ton and then change a ton and constantly new decks and do that. No, no, no. Like, and you know this from your legacy community. There are a lot of people that are one guy. There's an elves guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he is the elves guy and he's really great at it. Right now he might make changes here or there or there's a burned guy or whatever. But I think part of the appeal of a non-rotating format is, you know, I can be gone on a work trip for six weeks and I can come back and yes. I can play that non-rotating format and it's fine. Like to put to burden non-rotating formats with this expectation that things need to change quickly is silly and not what the they're supposed to be. You know, that's what standard is. And mm-hmm. you know, say what you will about standard, but that's the idea, right? Is we have a non-rotating format that's safe, that yeah, we want balance. We don't want one deck to be 30% of the metagame, but we kind of want things to stick around for a while. And mm-hmm. I would argue that's been a huge turnoff for some modern players lately is the turnover has been so ridiculously fast that their deck has been kind of put on the sideline, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, I've been an affinity player for this long. I don't really care to buy Amulet now. So I'm done. I'm going to sell it and, you know, buy a new amp, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So that for that reason, I'm pumped. Here's my big question for you, Cameron. Alchemy and Historic, what happens? I think, um, well, there's one of two things. It can do a quick death, like they just, like, this summer in July, we're, we're shelving it, and it's gone. Or they can do the MTGO route, and it just exists as like this weird growth that they put support in but they're not actually putting any real (laughs) resources in and it just exists forever and it's like why does this exist i could see it going both ways like knowing this company i i really genuinely think it's just going to be around and just be like this weird growth yeah that's what i think (laughs) yeah um but it's also like, so I don't know if you know this, but the last time they did like an alchemy rebalance thing, they didn't even put card images. Like it's all a text article with oh. the cards. <laughs> and I, I thought that kind of spoke volumes. Maybe I'm just overshooting and, you know, you know, uh-huh. playing a little confirmation bias along the way, you know, uh, not that I would ever do that. But <laughs> it's just like um, it feels like alchemy has lost any semblance of momentum. And mm-hmm. look. I know a lot of people are going to crush them for not betting on Pioneer, but when the pandemic started, Historic took off, right? Because Standard was garbage. 
They were pumping these sets into Historic. You and I were loving it. And then a couple things happened. The digital-only cards was kind of like the step one. Mm-hmm. They Well, I should say the Strixhaven. I can't remember what those things were called, but the Strixhaven... You know, counterspell, lightning bolts, yeah, yeah, tomes or whatever, right? Yeah, the, those went in, and then, then we kind of kind went to these more and more abusive ways of milking that player base, and then they went to full on. Hey, uh, the alchemy cards are here too, seemingly for no reason, mm-hmm. and it really seemed to poison the well. Um, I don't hear a bunch about historic uh, anymore, and I have. I mean, less than zero interest in that metagame, knowing that there are rebalanced cards there. Um, But I think alchemy, like, to your point, I think alchemy is 100% going to go away within a year's time. Now, I think it'll be quietly sunset, you know, Mm -hmm. and then one day we're going to get an announcement. It'll be like, oh, that was still around? Yes. Interesting, interesting. But then you'll have that happen. Um, Whereas historic, I think, is much more like, you know, it looked like it was destroying the existence of Pioneer. They felt like they overlapped too much. Clearly, those design documents internally were separate. Historic meant to be every card that was ever put on Arena, and they felt like they could go way back and just didn't feel like they were talking to each other with regards to what the future for Pioneer was. Yeah. Um, but I got to be honest with you, the chance that I will ever play Historic again is essentially non-existent. Yeah. And I had this moment, I, I loaded up a deck. Because like I told you, uh, Explore, you can't get into queues yet. So I got into a historic queue with a deck that had a Seekus Chariot in it. And I forgot that a Seekus Chariot had been rebalanced. Uh-huh. And I think Saffron Olive, somebody posted, I think it was him, posted that you know keeping track of the two different things that cards do was harder than he thought it was going to be. I remember you and I talking about this and saying, like, I don't know if we're just old, but this seems like, like, I don't even want to look at those because yeah. it'll mess me up, you know? Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my uh, question. I mean, I don't know. Like, this is like one step in the right direction, but I think they have a lot of work to do still for Arena. Um Getting this Explorer slash Pioneer format is great. Obviously, they've put cards that are modern and legacy legal in there. What I really want this company to have a real just moment of reflection to say, okay, we understand that the paper thing is what drives this company, is what drives this project, like this product. And please put modern, put legacy, put vintage, put the entire history of your catalog onto arena and just pull the plug on, on magic online. That's what I would really like to see happen in like, like a roadmap three years from now we get, you know, modern and legacy and then maybe vintage. I mean, they obviously can do this fairly quickly. They put brainstorm in very easily. Um, so just start doing that, please. That's what I want. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird, to your point. And I, look, I'm not a software developer. I don't know to what yeah. extent this stuff is and is impossible. But a lot of games give you like a more detailed roadmap. Like maybe I'm just thinking of Destiny here where I there was a point in which I played Destiny enough to where I knew like the roadmap and when new sets would come out and stuff. 
And it, it just doesn't feel like there's that kind of foresight here. Um, and I, I, I understand that it's a huge change in direction to be like, okay, now we're backing off historic and going on to Pioneer. But if you would have, if you would have had your finger on the pulse a little bit, you would have understood that this paper stuff, like mirroring paper matters, not just a little bit, but a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's kind of like, again, I felt like there was a lot of writing off that kind of criticism as, you know, paper boomers and people that don't mm-hmm. get it and all this. And it's just like, I, I do think you need to understand that the average Magic player is really A, engaged, and B, probably probably really intelligent, right? Mm-hmm. So they understand when, when the math is not in their favor quite a bit, right? So you, do, you can't just treat this game like it's Candy Crush. And so yeah. that's, kind, that's kind of where I think things have gone a little bit wrong from their perspective. I also like the idea of like, um, you know, historic and pioneers relationship being, you know, completely upturned, like pioneer shows back up to the, to the water cooler. Well, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it also feels like a missed opportunity because to your point, historic could eventually be like fulfill all the cards that are in legacy, like over mm-hmm. a long, like you said, many years, but because we're glued into these digital only things, it's never going to be that. And legacy and vintage are going to die. And like true commander is going to die with MTGO whenever that happens, you know? Um, and that's, that's kind of a bummer. That's kind of a bummer. And I, I do also want to mention this because I do think as people that play primarily on arena these days, at least until COVID fully leaves us and I have a, a shop again, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can regularly go to, um, I've kind of been astonished at people's reactions. I don't know if you saw this, where Wizards announced that they'd be raising the prices on everything 11%. And then they also had like, you know, insane no profits this quarter. And people were upset. They were like, I can't believe this company would do that. And it's like, have you not been paying attention to literally every other decision <laughs> these guys have made? Like, this is so on brand. With yeah, yeah whatever is going on in their their business like accounting business marketing that stuff that like i mean dude 11% you got off easy that's my thought <laughs> mhm mhm for sure <laughs> yeah it's a crappy thing to do but they've kind of been doing those things for a minute like <laughs> i'm just saying right um it's like uh yeah i i i couldn't even come up with a good metaphor here but it's just it's just astonishing to me that they could like be this greedy for the sixth time and people are like whoa <laughs> you gotta be kidding me on this whoa whoa <laughs> easy fell out of nowhere yeah out of nowhere <laughs> but i guess if you live in this world where you never play digital you never buy secret layers you just do commander every whatever night you might have not been feeling all this stuff or, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe you're not glued in on Twitter the way, unfortunately, I am. Um, all those things could be a possibility. I want to acknowledge that. But it's just like, yeah. it was just kind of interesting to me to see that be the case. Which, by the way, was your pre-release the same price? Was it as always? It was five bucks more. It was 30 bucks instead of 25. So, so be it. I paid a premium and I, you know, the mean to play in paper and it was great. Also, like, huge turnout. Like, Friday night, uh, pre release was like 120, over 120 people. 
and tons of people there on Saturday for the uh, noon flight. And I mean, they're having flights all out through the day, you know, so pretty we awesome. We need it. We need it. Yeah. That's good, man. I Like I said, your your shop is, and I think a lot of shops are experiencing a nice rebound because of where we're at. And I just, unfortunately, for better or for worse, my traditional shop that I've gone to for many years has yeah. really taken a turn towards the Yu-Gi-Oh! And again, not a criticism towards Yu-Gi-Oh! It's just not a game I play. So it's kind of like, I don't yep. know what to do with myself, man. The answer is mess around with decks on uh, Arena. Um, last thing I'll mention with this Explorer stuff is... A shocking amount of stuff is available for control on Arena. Uh, the Fires deck is basically there, too. Um, but if you're just looking to play Blue-White Control Classico, a lot of that is on Arena, so you're pretty well set. Um, the big ones are, like... So the Lotus Field deck, Lotus Field is on Arena, um, but a bunch of the untap effects might have to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's a little bit of a bizarre one. Um, the Black-Red Sacrifice deck is pretty much ready to rock from the jump um but what blew me away was mono red uh i don't think it's playable because there's no monastery swiss swiss spear and there's no eidolon of great revel um sure and so i think missing both of those cards makes the deck much worse much worse um so just in case you're looking to cash out wild cards i mean some people have floated around deck lists uh, there is a, you know, Collected Company did show up in the Amonkhet remastered, I think. Oh, man. Totally forgot so, about that, yeah. So, yes, there is Collected, if, in, you know, because you might have missed it or whatever, and Collected Company decks aren't quite the thing and historic like they would be in some other formats. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess there's Elves that plays Collected Company. But, you know, like a straight up humans collected company. Thalia's Lieutenant also was reprinted in one of the random sets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but do expect, uh, I, like, Winona to be kind of the thing. Yep. Um, and, and I mean this in the nicest way possible. I'm not calling it out to be banned. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you're playing Winona. But if you have that deck, now is the time to make some hay. Right? Like, it is, it is this is your window. Yeah, really feels like that will not be around much longer. You know, treat yourself to some wins and uh, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right, Cameron. Any other thoughts on Explorer before we get out of here? I'm excited to dive into this, man. It's good. It's good. Yeah, we'll ha- we'll have to do some play tests in one of these nights. We'll actually remember when we used to do that like many moons ago. Oh, yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, let's get out of the segment, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. So, Cameron, one of my favorite things about being like um, like a, an OG comic book guy, I don't know if I would say truly OG, like I don't have like Amazing Spider-Man 14 in the back here. Sure. But I grew up reading comic books and... Uh, We'll say me at the time that I grew up reading comic books. I'm sure this was an experience for you being a Star Trek fan as a young man, young man. wasn't wasn't the premium time to be a fan of that thing. Yeah, right. Um, and that's cool. You know, that's whatever. But um, someone at my work asked me, "Hey, I just subscribed to Marvel Unlimited. Do you know anything about the service? And could you recommend a comic or two? Three Post-it notes later. That were filled with scribbles. 
I, I tried to come up with the definitive runs of things that they need to read from Marvel. And I kind of surprised myself. There were some things that I said that I was like, you know, look, the, the, the Bendis run on Daredevil, the Brubaker run on Captain America. These are things that I love that are, that are very similar era to me of Marvel. Um, mm-hmm. I like the J. Michael Straczynski Thor stuff. Like we could keep going. Um, Daredevil Yellow was the first thing that I put down, okay. which yeah. I, I kind of had forgotten how foundational that was to the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Um, and this person mentioned that they liked the Daredevil series. And I was like, well, like two or three of those episodes are taken from Daredevil Yellow. So check this out. Um, but also, I highly recommended Ultimates, which made me want to revisit it because Ultimates is like the the early draft of the MCU. Yeah. And I've been going back to it, and you said you just reread it like a couple months ago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hit me, dude. Like, because I'm like four issues back in, I probably haven't read it in a decade. Uh, what do you think? What did you think? Uh, yeah, uh, there's certain things that have carried over, and like, it's like, oh my god, they just literally lifted Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> yeah. and just put him into the MCU. I mean, like, you know, all these things. You're you're absolutely right. Where a ton of this is like the blueprint for what they did for the Avengers and that stuff with Thor and that stuff with Captain America and Iron Man and all that. There's some things that are like great about this. Um, I always consider the ultimates to be the authority light. You know, it's like if, if you want your, your Avengers, like this is great, but like if you want the real stuff, go to, go to authority. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certain things that I don't like about the uh, the Ultimates, and after rereading it, um, it really stuck out to me how much I disliked it. I don't like the Captain America in the Ultimates. Um, I mean, I think he's like I love the power level and like the fights that he has; those are cool or whatever. But um, I just don't like how he just is the fish out of water, and now I'm just going to be begrudging like all oh, those good old days of living in the 1940s and I just can't adapt to living today. And if you're Captain America and, you know, super strategic can adapt to any situation when it comes to that to me, uh, I, I don't know, like it, that's what I wanted. And I just find him to be a kind of a jerk, like the way he kind of acts against like Hank Pym the way he kind of acts against some of the other characters, like it really stuck, stood out to me. And like, this is, I, I went from never reading a Captain America comic to reading the ultimates to reading, I don't know how much of the Brubaker stuff, then coming back to this. And it's like, eh, this, that's the thing that is like really stuck out to me is like what they did to certain characters. I just didn't fully love the blueprint is there, but like, I, I, I still think some of the, Seminal works from the, I guess, traditional universe. I, I really do prefer. Yeah, no, that's that's an interesting. I'm trying to come up with a way to talk about this that doesn't sound horrible. Um, but I think you can tell when someone writes Captain America that they're not from the States. Hmm. Um, because, so basically Captain America would have been in the age of our grandparents to great-grandparents. So we have talked to that generation and like 
the kind of a lot of times whenever you get people that are not from the states, they kind of graft what is current American nationalism onto Captain America, mm, and it just mm-hmm. falls really flat, right? That kind of like, you know, do before talking version of Captain America that I think is in the 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 Mark Wade and Ed Brute Baker. It's much more of a man of action and man of fewer words, you know. Whereas, like you're right, like he kind of writes Captain America as this nationalistic jerk, and yeah. and it there's a great moment in the Brew Baker thing that addresses this when someone makes a sideways comment about the French. And then he stops them and talks about fighting with the French against the Nazi invasion and kind of reflects on his experience around that. And so that those that's the kind of moment that I felt like Ed Brubaker addressed that of like, mm. hey, the way that, you know, the America stuff is now, that is not how Captain America would act. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so and that's just a generational voice. I, I mean, I couldn't write the generational voice of someone that fought in World War Two in the UK. I think I would have a hard time with that. Right. Yeah. So I think he really struggles with that and some other characters. And you're right. Like the authority is, I mean, that's the pure stuff, dude. That is <laughs> right. <laughs> what What if we were to write a superhero comic that where I just put the pedal all the way to the floor, everything is fast living, fast dying. I mean, we want this to be as hardcore and as fun as possible. Um, and that is kind of missing you know, in, in something like the Ultimates. And the Ultimates does, I think, aspire to be a little bit more cerebral with its setup. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very wordy with, like, what's going on with Pam and Bruce Banner. And then they kind of back off that and let kind of Brian Hitch do his thing, which is set pieces, right? <laughs> right? Like, <Yeah. laughs> and, and that's really appreciative. But, um, and it is cool to see, like, how much of that is grafted on and how much is different. Um, like specifically like how far gone we've gone with the Thor stuff, probably for the better. Um, because I don't think the way Thor is in the comics really translates very well to the screen kind of comes off coming like Hercules legendary journeys or something like that, (laughs) you know? And if you want just Chris Hemsworth to lean into the silliness and, you know, I mean, I think we can all agree it's a little unfair that he's that handsome and that charming and that funny. Like we get it. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Real cool. Um, but, you know, th- just just that kind of thing, it, it really sticks out to you, the differences. Not just, like, the Captain America thing, which we're kind of stuck on, but, like, yeah, um, some of the other characters. And there is a, you know, um, I actually like the way Hawkeye is portrayed in this better. I, I do, too. Um, yeah. So, you know, you kind of take the good with the bad. I, and Black Widow, I think, is a, a much more interesting character in this. Uh, I, I think there's a debate to be had there, but like, um, it is it is kind of interesting. Whenever I read this, like, can I not see Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark anymore? Um, mm-hmm. And like, can I not hear his voice when I'm reading it? And it's just weird to think, like, you know, 20 plus years of my life that was not the case, right? And yeah. now it's yeah. just like it's so linked in in my mind. It is. Look, this is a really good run. And, and it's really interesting, but it's it's so hard to extract from the Marvel's Avengers films. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I find it charming. I think it's absolutely something that should be read. It's a quick read early. I mean, it's like 24 issues for the Ultimates 1, Ultimates 2, right? Mm-hmm. Um, skip Ultimates 3. Don't even give that thing a shot. But Yeah, just really yeah. act like the whole thing's over with Brian Hitch. 
Like yeah, once he's done, you're good. done. And look, I love Warren Ellis. Mark Millar, I kind of have highs and lows with. Sometimes I really like oh, yeah. his stuff. Sometimes I don't. But I think there was that was kind of the era in which Brian Hitch was the best artist working in superhero comics. Um, and just really blew things out of the water, right? And it was just like, I mean, really exceptional. Like, because there there's these really detailed compositions, but there's such velocity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you feel that in the Ultimates and you feel that in the Authority. Um, but like, yeah, to your point, the Authority is even breezier and a little bit more of a confection, but mm-hmm. still I had a lot more fun. <laughs> and I yeah, think that's what a superhero yeah. team needs to be at the end of it, you know? Just one more thing. I, I find it interesting I because the more time goes by reading the Ultimates, it does feel like a this is a post 9-11 oh, yeah. comic book that's really addressing all of that stuff with George W. Bush era and that Captain America kind of latching on to certain characteristics that maybe are representative for that time. Um, where I, I think I'm going to say the authority might age better because it's so far out there and uh, and whatnot where there's certain things that just maybe don't age well or i just don't view them in the same light as what maybe was trying to be addressed in 2002 yeah which the authority is like it's a kung fu movie basically you know what i mean like it's meant to be kind of like here are the bad guys they're blowing up cities we gotta (laughs) stop them and let's go right it's not it's not meant to be any deeper than that and that's awesome yeah. Right. Yeah. Though it is interesting because there is a same sex couple in the authority. And that was like viewed as the super subversive element of right? that book yeah. in those days. <laughs> and now it's just like it feels like something you just kind of breeze right through and don't even think about, you know. So, yeah. Anyway. So, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and ask which run of authority that they should read, where could they find you? Mm. Uh, they should do that on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy and all and I, Yeah, and I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>